painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking. KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents Artbeat. Artbeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for Artbeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. This episode of Artbeat, we're going back to St. Mary's University for a part four of Sandbar Storytelling. Sandbar Storytelling is a festival of which utilizes one of the most beautiful works of art, storytelling. Today, we're showcasing award-winning storyteller, recording artist, and author, Bill Lepp. Bill is a humorous, kid-friendly storyteller who wrote and recorded 28 audiobooks and audio collections, and the recipient of the West Virginia's Vandalia Award, as well as Parents' Choice Gold Award, and a few others. So get ready as we give you the backstage look into Bill Lepp today on Artbeat. And sometimes we hear somebody say, I wish you would make an announcement about this. And then, you know, sure enough, a few days later. Now, about the same time, of course, I was in English class with my English teacher, Mrs. Long. She is not in here, I don't think. She is often in my audience, but she isn't here now. So it's okay if I talk about this, even though I think she already knew. She would give us extra credit assignments where we could do book reports on books that we hadn't been assigned in class. And it was just a one-page mimeograph, which is the one-page mimeograph sheet. And you had to put the title of the book, the author, and then the Dewey Decimal number or the Dewey Decimal classification. And then you had to uh, write a summary of the book and then write a recommendation of the book. And again, these are books that had to be in our school library that weren't assigned in our class. Now, I think her intent was that we were supposed to read the books that we did the book reports on, but that wasn't made clear in the instructions. And then I took it one step further. I just invented the books. So, but I'd always have to make them something that no one else in their mind ever, you know, would ever want to read. And so I made them real boring and real sappy. Like I might type up movies like um, um, The Sunset Swing Set by Archibald Kincaid. And then the Dewey Decimal number would be Thick Kin or something like that. And then, um, so the summary was um, Ronald Thompson and Mary Wright fell in love in high school. And then World War II, and they swore that they'd get married. And then World War II came along, so they had to postpone their plans. And he went off to be in the Navy in the Pacific, and she stayed at home and raised a victory garden. And they wrote letters back and forth telling each other what life was like in those two different areas. And then my review was something like, I don't recommend this book to anyone. <laughs> oh, well, then they get reunited after the war. I should say that. They get reunited after the war. They do get married. And then they sit on their swing set and they watch the sunset, hence the title. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't recommend this book. If you're looking for a book on World War II, it spends too much time on domestic issues. If you're looking for a romance, it spends too much time on World War II. To. Most of my book reports went something like that, and Mrs. Long came up to me one day, and she said, you know, you really have a knack 
for seemingly picking the worst books in the <laughs> I could recommend some better books too. You know, here's the thing, when I was in high school, I was not much of a reader. I did not start to read recreationally until I was probably a sophomore in college. And the main reason for that is I'm a very, very slow reader. I, I've never been diagnosed with a reading problem because I've never taken a test. Um, but it's interesting because I have two children and, and a wife, and my wife and my oldest child can just pick, like, pick up a Stephen King novel and just go, and they're done. It's amazing. I've never read a Stephen King novel because they're too intimidating. And when I was having, we were having these are the kind of conversations we have at our supper table. Kim said you should eat supper together, and you should, and we do. Our kids are almost uh, 23 and 20, and we still, whenever we can, we eat at least one meal together, uh, and we have all kinds of crazy conversations. But one of the conversations is reading. Now, my wife will tell you that when she reads a book, she only reads the middle third of the page. And then if she doesn't understand what's happening, she'll look up here and look down here. And she and my oldest child both just see the words and know what they mean. And so they can read really quickly. My youngest daughter and I both have to hear every word. We have to look at every word on the page and then we have to hear them in our head, which slows us down. It's got nothing to do with the story, but I just thought I'd tell you that. Uh, so, <laughs> so Mrs. Long said, I can recommend, and also I should tell you that my mom was a teacher, and she is adamantly against banning books. So uh, she brought home a list one time from school that someone had given her. Uh, well, first they passed out a list of the 10 books that every senior in high school should read, and I'd read too. And then she brought home a list, she was irate, that someone had given her the 10 books that should be banned from every high school library. And I've read eight, so <laughs> I was making some progress. But anyway, Mrs. Mrs. Long said, you know, I could recommend some some books that might be more interesting to you. Now, when I told her, now this was back in the day when you opened the back of a library book and there was a little half envelope with a card in it, and you could see who had checked out the books. And this was like, my wife points out, this was like an informal review system. If you found out that somebody in the community liked a certain book, you know, you could go and see. But I, you could go through and see, like, the last time the book was checked out. So I told Ms. Long that what I did is I go to the library and I find books that haven't been checked out for a long, long time because I feel like they're probably lonely <laughs> and that they feel like they're serving solitary confinement in the library. And she, as an English teacher, was so moved by that. <laughs> And it almost made me feel bad. And so, <laughs> one day we were sitting in class and the announcements came on. This is Dr. Hoon Foos, principal of Half Dollar High School. <laughs> on Friday, I've been informed, we have a special treat. We have received a grant from the Librarian of Congress. <laughs> and we will be having a special speaker in the auditorium after lunch. All students, teachers, and faculty are required to come. Dr. Dewey Decimal. <laughs> Inventor of both the Decimal and the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> be speaking again everyone is required to come and this reminded me that mrs. long had told me that she had read one of my book reports and was intrigued by the book 
and had decided to go look at it in the library, which was worrying. And she had gone down to the library, she said, and gone to the card catalog, but couldn't find a card for that particular book, go figure. And I asked her, which card did you look up? Because there were, there are some young people in this audience, in the card catalog, this big thing, there were three cards for each book. There was a subject card, which, wait for it, talked about the subject of the book. And then there was a title card, and then there was an author card. So you could find a book in one of those three directions. I said, which card did you look up? And she said, I looked up the title card. And I said, oh, maybe the title card is missing. And, and she said, well, I asked the librarian, and she doesn't have any record of the book being checked out. And I was like, huh, isn't that weird? And so, <laughs> so I ran to the library, and our, we had our, our card catalog. High school was probably built in the 20s. In fact, here's an interesting fact. Lurch, the guy that played Lurch, went to my high school. Uh, so um, that's true. And so uh, some of the cards were from the original era. And then other cards have been ordered through the years, but now we basically just use three by five index cards. And there was a stack of them on the counter. So I ran down to the library and I took two index cards. I was gonna make a subject card. What did I say she looked up? A title card? Let's go with that. So I was gonna make an author card and a, and a subject card. And so I typed up both those cards for this book. The book was called Flounder and Pete. And, and it was about a kid named Flounder whose best friend was a flounder <laughs> named Pete. And so, I don't recommend it. And so, uh, in retrospect, it does kind of sound interesting. So I went and I typed up the, the subject card and, and, and the, the other card. And, and I, I went and I got the drawer. Now, uh, the drawer for, so a, a card catalog, depending on how big your library was, it's like this tall, it's a huge cabinet, and it had all these drawers that were maybe four by five inches, and then they were two or three feet long, and you pulled them out, I'm looking at you, young person. And then there were just a whole bunch of little index cards in it, and you'd have to go through them like this. So to keep them from falling out, they each had a tiny little hole punched in the bottom, and then there was a metal rod that went all the way through the drawer, all the way through the cards. And to get the rod out, you unscrewed it at the front of the door, drawer, and if you wanted to put a card in or pull a card out, you would just pull that rod out just as far as you needed, put your card in, and then slide the rod. Well, I was in a hurry and I was kind of in a panic, so I pulled out the drawer, the correct alphabetical drawer for the subject of uh, fish friends, as a matter of fact, and I unscrewed the rod, and instead of just pulling it out a little bit, I pulled it out like like I was just like I was an, an, an insane mechanic, just pulling out a dipstick, right, for a nefarious purpose. And when I did, I knocked the drawer over, and 300 card catalog cards just flew through the air like like I was the flower girl at a crazy librarian's theme wedding. And, <laughs> And so then I had to spend the next two class periods re-alphabetizing the subject cards so that I could stick fish friends between fish environment and fish gills. And then I was so flustered after that that when I went to put the other card in, I just tore a little hole and stuck it in my place. And I got to English class just as the bell was ringing. And Mrs. Lawn was saying, uh, she said, uh, I think that some of you might be abusing my extra credit offer, and some of you might be making up book reports. And my initial thought was, 
some of you. <laughs> I thought this was my idea. What we are talking about here is intellectual theft. <laughs> <laughs> out. She was like, this one. Fahrenheit 452. <laughs> the assembly is over with Dr. Dewey Decimal on Friday, she said, I'm going into the library and I'm going to spend all weekend in the library if I have to. I'm going to go, I'm going to check every one of these book reports, see if I can find the book on the shelf. Well, this caused some panic in the class because apparently a number of people had to do that. So after class, there was just sort of a general discussion of what we were going to do about all of this. And, you know, the, the idea is varied, steal all the books in the library, um, or just reshelve them all in the wrong place, or burn the school down. That seemed a little, a little much. And all of those uh, ideas had their merits, um, but what all of them, except burning the school down, failed to consider was if she checked the card catalog to see if there were cards for all of these books, because that would be real suspicious if there was a fake book and then no cards for it. So I went home that night, and I doctored up. I found every book report that I had written. They were, they were good. Uh, they had titles like The Divine Bovine, The Teacher in the Patriotic Bathing Suit, I Love My Dentist. Uh, these are all stories that I've written now that I'm making a joke. They're all titles of my CDs, actually, uh, to pretend like I thought of them then. But anyway, uh, you're not getting that joke, so we'll just move on. And, uh, so, so I made a title card, an author card, and a subject card for everyone, I mean, like this many book reports. But then I couldn't just make the cards, they would look too new, so I had to ding the corners and smear them and pour stuff on them. And then I took some and I, I put them in the oven to brown them. <laughs> and my mother was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm browning uh, uh, library card catalog cards. I'm the last of five children, so she didn't bat an eye. She said, put some lemon juice on them, that'll help. And so, I made all those cards, and then I went to school on Thursday, and everything was fine. And then Thursday night, after I was supposed to be in bed, I got on my bicycle and I rode to the school. I'd left a window unlocked at the library so I could get in and put all these cards in the card catalog. And uh, I put my bike behind the dumpster and I was surprised to see Skeeter's bike was already behind the dumpster. And I went and I looked in the library and sure enough I saw his flashlight bouncing around and I was just about to climb in the window when somebody poked me in the back, scared me to death. I jumped about 10 feet and I turned around and there was Fern Dale. And I was like, Fern, what are you doing here? And so we climbed in the window and I said, Fern, you didn't make up books, did you? And she said, no, I don't need to, I'm getting an A. And so uh, <laughs> she said, but I bet you two did. And we were like, yeah, we did. Yeah, kind of proud of herself. And she goes, and I bet you've now made up fake card, why can't I remember the word, card catalog cards to put in there to, to make up so when Miss Long goes through, she'll find the cards. And you're like, yeah, we sure did, because we were feeling proud of ourselves. And she goes, well, I bet you made up cards for the books that you invented. And we were like, yes, we did. And she said, well, isn't it going to be suspicious if all of the books that you made up have cards and all of those books are missing from the library, but there's no other books that have cards that are missing from the library. And we were like, well, <laughs> maybe. So she's 
said, so I made these. And she had made a whole bunch of other fictitious cards that she didn't even need to make just so Skeeter and I wouldn't get in trouble. I know. That's one of the sweetest things that anyone ever did for me. You know, Kevin said that love hides in small kindnesses. And that, that was one of those moments in my life. And so she said, we're going to divide them up. There's three of us. You take subject. You take title. I'll take author. And then she was looking through some of Skeeter's title cards. She said, I think, I think I know why you got caught. Um, <laughs> Fahrenheit 452, 1985, <laughs> The Crepes of Wrath, <laughs> The Greater Gatsby, <laughs> The Mockingbird Strikes Back, <laughs> Moby, oh, I'm not even reading that one. <laughs> We spent the rest of the night putting, you know, fictitious cards in the card catalog. Were we polluting the card catalog of the half dollar high school library? Yes, we were. Was it nice? No. Was it necessary? Absolutely. And so we got home just in time to pretend like we'd been home and go downstairs and eat breakfast and go back to school. And we waited through the day and then after lunch, we went into the auditorium <laughs> to hear Dr. Dewey Decimal speak about the invention of the decimal and the Dewey Decimal System. And Dr. Hoonfoos was so excited, he'd hung, you know, bunting and just the cheerleaders were out and there was a little pep rally and we waited and we waited and we waited and Dr. Dewey Decimal just didn't show up. And Dr. Hoonfoos was so disappointed, he told us that he thought that a man who had invented the decimal would be more punctual. <laughs> Certainly more considerate ob obligations. And so we were dismissed and we went home and Mrs. Long went to the library to spend the weekend combing through the card catalog card. And Alicia Snitch, Alicia Snitch was a kid in our class. She had a very, yeah, it was a very unfortunate last name. <laughs> and she lived up to it. And she was a teacher's pet, whether the teacher wanted a pet or not. <laughs> kind of like that cat that wanders up to your house and you fed it once and it won't go away. And so Alicia went to the, to the library with Ms. Lyon. They spent the whole weekend in there. And we got to school Monday morning. You know, we were concerned. And um, we went to the office first, just to kind of see what was going on, kind of, you know, get the temperature. And Mrs. Long hadn't turned any of us in. Mrs. Long was one of those wonderful, wonderful teachers who wouldn't punish you because she knew that her being disappointed in you was way more punishment than anything else she could met out. So she was just waiting for us, you know what I'm saying? But Alicia had taken it upon herself to turn these results into Dr. Hoonfoos. So we walked into the office and Fern said to us, don't worry, I thought this was gonna happen. And Dr. Hoonfoos went over to make the announcements and he picked up the loudspeaker and he said, this is Dr. Hoonfoos, principal of Hampton High School. I have some upsetting news. As you know, Dr. Dewey Decimal did not show up for the assembly on Friday. Also, sometime on Friday, 
Several dozen volumes of books were stolen from our library. <laughs> I believe that Dr. Dewey Decimal is not the upright citizen that we thought he was. <laughs> he clearly tricked us all into the auditorium so that he could steal books from our library. I have called Sheriff Hasbro and we'll be talking to him about this shortly. This has been Dr. Hoon, who's principal happened right And he put down the paper, and he turned around, and he bumped into Sheriff Hasbro, who was standing. And Dr. Hoon, said, Sheriff Hasbro, what are you doing here? And Sheriff Hasbro said, you called me. <laughs> and Dr. Hoon, said, I did? Sheriff Hasbro said, well, you just said you did. And Dr. Hoon, said, well, then I must have. <laughs> uh, there's been a terrible crime. Dr. Dewey Decimal stole a whole bunch of books from our library. And Sheriff Hasbro said, you're telling me that Melville Dewey stole a bunch of books from the Half Dollar High School Library. And Dr. Hoonfu said, I don't know anything about a Melville Dewey. I just know Dewey Decimal stole books from our library. And Sheriff Hasbro said, Melville Dewey died in like 1931. <laughs> and Dr. Hoonfu said, I don't care about Melville Dewey. I'm talking about Dewey Decimal. And Sheriff Hasbro said, so you're telling me somebody came and stole books from our library. How do you know they were stolen? And Dr. Hoonfu said, because they're gone. <laughs> Sheriff Hasbro said, are you sure they weren't just checked out? And Dr. Hoonfu said, yeah, Mrs. Long went through the entire card catalog, and there's a whole bunch of books missing from the library. And Sheriff Hasbro thought about that, and he turned... And he looked at me and Skeeter. And this was a long time ago, so he reached in his front pocket and he pulled out a pack of cigarettes and he got a power mile out right there in the office of the high school. And he lit it, took a drag, and he kind of looked at Hoonfoos and he said, well, it sounds to me like somebody went to an awful lot of work to get out of a little bit of work. <laughs> I wonder who would do that. <laughs> he said, I'll look into it, and he left. And he didn't look into it, because he didn't like Dr. Hoonfoos either. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of people failed English. <laughs> but me and Skeeter got a C. Because <laughs> Dr. Long thought it was pretty neat that we had taken the time to make up all those cards. She looked at it as sort of a creative writing experiment. <laughs> Fern got an A because she was going to get one anyway. And then Mrs. Long almost punched us when we asked her if there was anything we could do for extra credit. <laughs> And about a week after that, we were in the cafeteria. Dr. Hoonfoos was there. And a loudspeaker crackled at life. And we heard, this is Dr. Hoonfoos, principal of Half Dollar High School. And everybody looked at Dr. Hoonfoos, who was looking at himself. <laughs> Here was a man who believed everything that he heard himself say. 
And he clearly was on the loudspeaker from the office, but he was in the lunchroom. And he was trying to figure out how that could be. And the message went on to say there's been a terrible accident and I've been injured terribly. And I'm in an ambulance on my way to the hospital. And he sort of slumped down into a chair. Checking himself out. And I said to Fern, I said, I said quietly, but I said, you're a genius. I said, you recorded everything all year long, didn't you? And you spliced it together for this moment. She said, shh. <laughs> she got up and she walked over to Dr. Hoonfoos and she said, Dr. Hoonfoos, are you okay? And he said, I'm not sure. I might be in an ambulance on my way to the hospital. And she said, maybe you should go check. <laughs> of uh, tons of adventures the two of them had together, and they're all 100% true. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, check those out, because we've got tons of CDs available on that merch table as well. Uh, and special thanks to his lovely wife, Paula, who's been uh, womaning that table uh, this weekend. All right, so our next Wow, so a lot of your creative processes, you um, reading the audience and engaging your stories with the audience to help that guide you and build you after you've already wrote the story? Yeah. Or how does it create a yeah, process absolutely. work for you? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Every time I tell a story, it's a little bit different. Yeah. And um, that's because each audience is different. I don't know if you heard, but I said something like, early on in the story, oh yeah, it was in the first part where we were trick-or-treating. I said that we, we were dressed up, you know, like Dick Dickon-esque characters. And this lady in the front row goes, they're going Christmas caroling. So, you know, she gave my joke that's not supposed to come for another three or four minutes. And so, yeah, I mean, then you got to you got to react to that one way or another. Um, so you never know when somebody in the audience is going to jump. My, you know, my whole goal is to point in one direction so that everybody thinks that's where we're going. And then right at the end, swerve where I was really going, but she jumped right to it, and not only that, she said it out loud. Um, so, yeah, there's always, they change with every single audience, and that's another reason why, if it's memorized, then that would have really thrown me off. Even with memorized stories or the stories that you write down, have you ever told it and felt like you can even improve it even more because oh, yeah. your creative process gets better, or how yeah. does that go? Do you like yeah, to it stick takes to me- your script? I'm sorry, I, I stepped on your question. No, you're good. Okay. It takes me about six months to write a story, but then it takes another solid six months of me telling it on stage before I really feel like it's coming to its own. Because a lot of what I write doesn't work out loud. And uh, a lot of what I say on stage, I didn't think of while I was writing. So if you went back and read that story uh, in that book out there, you would notice a lot of differences. And a lot of that is just the oral process, just getting up on stage and telling and telling it. And so they do grow. And a lot of stories, you know, some stories that I wrote in, let's say, 1998, I haven't read them since 1998. 
And if I went back and read them, the only thing, I mean, they have some things in common, but a lot of times it'll just be the title. And they've just grown so far apart that they're barely the same story anymore. You had the audience really laughing tonight. Have you ever thought about doing comedy shows or any other gig uh, instead of storytelling? One thing, I live in a really small market, so, you know, we don't have a lot of comedy. We don't have any comedy uh, (laughs) clubs in our town. Um, And then we don't even have a city like St. Paul that's too terribly close or Minneapolis. Um, But I did, I've done a little tiny bit of comedy and the big difference that I can tell is storytelling audiences. That audience out there wanted me to succeed. They paid money and they came here to watch me be entertaining. You go to a comedy club, I think a lot of times people in those audiences want the comedy to fail, the comedian to fail, you know? Um, And so uh, storytelling audiences are so much more positive, I feel like. They're going to read an audience. Yeah, and they, Mm -hmm. they really want you to succeed. And also, I mean, the big difference is Comedy, stand-up comedy, you got to have a joke like every three seconds. And in a story, sometimes it takes me five minutes to lay down the premise for what I'm going to do. Like, I know I'm going to get some big laughs in a minute, but i got to get the situation laid out first. And so a storytelling audience will give you that five minutes to lay down where you're going so that you, then I can boom, 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 start hitting the jokes. Right. Uh, if anyone was considering to follow you around on social medias or kind of if someone was considering tracking your, your, your next event, where would they be able to find you? Uh, my website is lepstorytelling.com, L-E-P-P storytelling.com. And there's a calendar on that that tells you where I'm going next. And then I periodically paste, uh, post on Facebook where I'm going. Um, and then, you know, that's about it. <laughs> I have an Instagram uh, page. I'm not really sure what it's called. I think it's called Bill Up Funny Guy. And uh, but there's some dashes and hyphens in there, and then I have a YouTube page, but I honestly don't know what that's called, and I don't think I've posted a video on there in years. Right. Well, thank you very much for thank doing you. this. Glad to do it. Yep. Appreciate you. Thank you guys. Where, where enjoyed yourself. You're from? You're from a huge thanks to Bill Lepp for joining us, as well as the host of Sandbar Storytelling for making today's episode possible. To keep up with the festival, visit sandbarstorytellingfestival.org. For more information on Bill Lepp, visit leppstorytelling.com. That's L-E-P-P storytelling.com. Or a show, Man vs. History, on the History Channel. For more info on all things Winona, tune in to Artbeat Tuesdays at 1230 here on 89.5 KQAL. Online at kqal.org and the KQAL app. Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org.